Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, the title of this morning's sermon, if you would give it a title, would maybe be Resting Secure in Christ. I ask the question here this morning, are you secure in Christ? Do you have peace with God as you sit here this morning? Some of you here today, you're a Christian saved by grace, and you can confidently rest because you know Jesus has paid the debt of your sin. You are made pure and holy, and you will be welcomed into God's opened arms. And I know maybe you're here today, and you know things are not right with you and God. Your soul is not at rest. You seem to find maybe fulfillment in the things of the world temporarily. The things of the world may distract or leave you empty. There's no real peace. So my prayer today through the preaching of God's Word is that if you are His child, secure and forgiven, that your heart would be encouraged to stay strong and steadfast through these times. And I pray today that you would become forever confident that you are forever secure in Christ. But if you do not have peace here this morning, my prayer is that this morning God would reach down that He would pull you out and breathe new life into you, that you would, He would give you the grace to believe in Jesus today. This morning, my text is in Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Before we begin, I'll pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, I thank you that we can meet in your house together on your day to worship you. God, we ask for your help this morning. God, that we would lean in and listen to your word. Help us, God, for we, easily, we are easily distracted. I pray this morning, God, that your spirit would fall afresh on your people that You would move amongst us, O God. Work in our hearts. That we would be drawn closer to You. And that we would rejoice this morning in our salvation that is secure because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And if there is anyone who does not know You here today, or if there is someone here who has trusted in a prayer or has went to church for many years but still does not know You, O God, that You would turn their hearts to You and that they would believe this morning. Help me as I preach, for I am very weak. I stutter over my words, God. Help me to be clear. Give me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows us His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. So I've, desi- I've decided to divide the text up into five sections. And I know after saying that, if I heard Pastor Corey say five sections or five points, I'd be like, oh, Corey, can you please do it in three? Like, but I understand. <laughs> Anyways, five sections. So I'll take a few verses at a time, each section, and, and we'll go through them and, and see how these verses point us to Christ and what He has done for us and how we can rest in our security in Him. And so as we see, chapter 5, verse 1 starts with, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, that word therefore, so we need to look back and see what it's referring to. If you remember a while ago, I preached on chapter 4 of Romans. And so we'll just do a little review before we go into chapter 5. Chapter 4, Paul defends the faith uh, of justification by faith alone. So justification, what is it? It is declaring someone righteous. Well, what does it mean to be righteous then? Conforming to and perfectly keeping God's law and holy character. So briefly, Paul explains a couple of things in chapter 4. So why does justification matter anyways? Well, it's because we have a problem here. We are all sinners, and our sin separates us from God. Everyone in this room is a sinner guilty before God and will face the punishment of sin under the wrath of God, which is eternity in hell. Because we are not perfect, because we are not righteous, this is our problem. We need to be washed clean. We are guilty and we need to be justified. But, praise God that He graciously provides a righteousness for us through His Son, Jesus. And second, in Romans chapter 4, it teaches us that justification, this justification comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone completely apart from any good works. Faith, not works. And Paul defends this in chapter 4 using the Jews' hero, Abraham, as his main witness. So, if you missed all that, we simply and clearly see through chapter 4 of Romans that we are justified by faith, not by works. So now, we can come into chapter 5 Therefore, verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So part one of this is we have peace with God through Christ. Through Jesus, we have peace. This is the beginning of a new relationship. I think maybe Pastor Corey mentioned it last week, and I think it's maybe from John MacArthur too, who says that everyone has a relationship with God. Just what is that relationship? Is it good or bad? Right. So we come into this new relationship. And I want to be clear what this peace is that we're talking about. 
because myself, for many years, I thought, and, and maybe many of you here today think this now or uh, have in the past that this peace that he's talking about is, is a feeling or an emotion. Well, we, it may lead to that, but it's not the root that he's talking to. This peace is because there is a war. We are at war with God. Enemies of God. God is the enemy of the sinner, and the sinner is the enemy of God. We humans, the human nature, hate the truth. We naturally hate God. We, we hate the Bible. We are at war with God. Well, you say, well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? Let's look at what, God, what the Word of God tells us. Romans 3, no one seeks God. All have turned away. Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we see we're hostile to God. There is no submission to God's law. It goes further. Exodus 22, 24. My wrath will burn and I will kill you. Isaiah 13, 9. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and He will destroy sinners from it. We see anger, fierce wrath, fire, judgment, destruction in these verses. Joshua 23.16 When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and you have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which He has given you. God's anger, judgment against the sinner. This is the condition of those, and maybe some of you here today who are not God's children, this is your relationship with the Almighty, Holy God, enemies at war. Spurgeon quotes this, and it's a bit of a longer quote, but I think it explains it very well. If we just stop and think for one moment... That would be enough to put terror in us. Thinking that we are at war with God. If we were to break a serious law in our country, think of how terrifying that would be to go before a judge. But for a creature to be in arms against his Creator, for a thing that depended for his existence upon the will of God, for that creature to be at enmity with the God in whose hands his breath is, And for a soul to know that God who is terrible in His power and almighty to protect or destroy, this is His foe. That He whose anger endureth forever and His wrath burneth even to the lowest hell, this is His chief and grand enemy. This is an appalling thing indeed. Could any man but understand and realize this? Smitten through with terrors as great as those which surpass Belshazzar, when he saw the handwriting on the wall, he would cry out in anguish. He would make a thrilling appeal for mercy. God is against thee. O sinful man, God is against thee. O thou who hast never submitted thyself unto His Word, God is against thee. And woe unto thee when He shall rend thee in pieces, for none can deliver thee out of His hand. Happy, happy beyond all description, is the man who can say with our Apostle, we have peace with God. But wretched, 
Wretched again beyond all description. Wretched must be that man be who is at war with his own Maker and sees heaven in itself at arms against him. Because of your sin, you are separated from God. God is at war with you when you are at war with God. Because of Jesus, we are justified. The war is over. No longer angry, no longer our enemy, no longer judgment. Your penalty, the penalty of your sin against holy God has been paid in full. It is finished. Romans 5.1 So therefore, we can say, we have peace with God through Jesus. Verse 10 also says, and we'll get to it later, that we are, we're enemies, we have been reconciled. Doesn't that just bring this verse alive more than just saying, oh, I have this warm and fuzzy feeling, I have peace with God? Knowing that we are at war and God has reconciled us? Peace between the sinner and God. God's anger and wrath that puts us to hell has been removed and placed on Jesus. God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. And for those who call upon God to be saved, not enemies anymore, but family, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in Christ. John 6.37 All that the Father give me will come to me, and the, no one, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Praise God. So permanent peace. You can rest secure because you are now entering into a new relationship with God. Part 2. Verse, uh, verse 2. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So now we have access to God by His grace. We stand by His grace alone. Oh, let us never forget our salvation. Never take it lightly. God in His grace sent His Son Jesus as our substitute. Now we have access to God. Ephesians 3.12, In whom Jesus we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Remember, as you look back through history of the Israelites, they never had access. God and His holiness was kept from them, completely inaccessible. The temple that the Lord directed the people to set up so that God could come down was very precise, divided up into rooms and with the Holy of Holies where God's presence would come at the back, restricted from everyone except the priest once a year. Sinners and God have no place together. Remember Adam and Eve, simple example. They walked with God. They had communion with God every day. But as soon as they sinned, what happened? They hid. God had to clothe them. He had to cover them. And they had to go away. They had to cast them out of the garden. They could not be with God anymore. Turn in your Bibles briefly to keep your finger in Romans 5, but Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with pure water. So now the curtain is torn. We can come by faith with confidence before God by the blood of Christ. See, Jesus, the perfect sinless One, died in your place, covering your sins. He clothes you in His righteousness, making you holy as God is holy. Jude 24 says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding great joy. Now all may come. Now we have access by God's grace by which we stand. Brother and sister in Christ, today you can be confident that now and forever you stand in a settled, permanent condition of grace. Not because of anything that we have done. Our peace, our access is on Christ alone. His death, His work, all by grace. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those in Christ. In the next half of the verse, verse 2, this, this access naturally produces what? Hope. Hope because your destiny is secure. You will be with the Lord. So what do we know so far? The war is over. We are no longer enemies but at permanent peace with God. And whenever we do sin... We know that our sins have been covered and we stand in grace. Therefore, we have such a great hope to rejoice in. If you are in Christ, a follower of Jesus, this is the Gospel. Rejoice! Why would anyone believe in a God that could save them but then not have enough power to keep them saved? Oh, rejoice and be glad when you're tempted to doubt. Remember your salvation. MacArthur says, Our salvation is stamped by Jesus' death and secured by His resurrection. Part 3. Because of this hope, we rejoice through suffering. Verses 3-5. to Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When trials and suffering come, as a Christian, yes, it can be extremely difficult. However, be joyful. Because you know, as God's Word tells us, trials and suffering produce godly character and we grow to be more like Christ. You can rest assured because when you look back on your suffering, you see how it could only be God's Spirit working in you. It's His love poured into your heart. And did you notice the last trial that God put you through? That your faith grew? Your patience might have grown? Your love for others grew? Maybe self-control or even joy? 1 Peter 4.12 In the Bible, the whole Word of God supports this. Beloved, do you think it is strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you? 
but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. James 1.2 Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. In Philippians 2.22 You know His proven character that as a son with His Father, He served me in the Gospel. So we see through the fiery trials, He endures temptation and His character is proven. So if you are a Christian, rest, rejoice, rest assured because the Holy Spirit has been given to you and and we see this evidence. Trials produce perseverance and out of that comes godly character and a great hope, which is proven fruit, proven character. It's proof that the love of God is in you. You are God's child. You are secure. Part 4. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 9. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of of God. For while we were still without strength, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, the ungodly, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. So notice first, while we are without strength, we are spiritually dead and completely incapable of doing anything good on our own. We have no strength on our own and sin cuts so deep that we would never even think about the things of God. Left to ourselves, we naturally have no desire for God. John 6.44, No one can come to Me unless the Father draws him. Romans 3.11, There is no one who seeks after God, no one who does good. And Excuse me for quoting Spurgeon again briefly. Man by his nature is morally weak. We are so weak by nature that we are carried about like dust and driven to and fro by every wind that blows and swayed by every influence which assails us. Man is under the dominion of his own lusts. His pride, his sloth, his love of ease, his love of pleasure. There is nothing which the devil can suggest to which man will not yield while he is a stranger to divine grace. His understanding is blinded. His foolish heart is darkened. So, Christ finds him when he comes to save him morally without strength. We are spiritually dead like dry bones until God reaches down and breathes new life up into us and brings us out. Verse 7, um, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. Some may consider dying for someone they love or for someone who has loved them. Jesus wasn't dying for someone good. He wasn't dying for someone who loved Him. Christ died. Did Christ die while you loved Him? While you were good? No. 
while you were without strength, Christ died for you. And next, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Romans 3.18-19, those verses encompass that Jews or Gentiles all alike, all are under sin. No one is righteous. No one does good. Not even one. No one seeks God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we see in verses 6-9, first, while we were weak, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were enemies, like we talked about in the first, Christ died for us. Wretched, ungodly, utterly weak and helpless. Haters of God. That's who Jesus died for. Romans 5, verse 8, But God shows His love for you. And that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. There is absolutely nothing good in me and you. Christ, yet, yet, Christ died for us. And verse 9. Notice the first, first two words, uh, or the words in it that says, much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. What is this wrath? What are we saved from? God's wrath is eternal punishment, eternal torment in hell. Ephesians 1.10, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What great hope. Does this not excite you as a Christian? You are saved by Jesus' death. You see, your sins were placed on Jesus and Jesus' perfect righteousness was placed on you. He covers your sins. He took your place. Your debt is paid in full. Praise God. So yes, we were justified, but as the verse says, but much more. He saved you from the wrath of God which is to come. Be ready. MacArthur states this is a divine transaction. If Christ and death can save us, then a living Christ can keep us saved. If we can be saved and reconciled as enemies, then we can be secure now that we have become friends, family. So verse 10 and 11, part 5 to close. Last point. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So reconciliation through Jesus brings the greatest joy. And this ties the passage all together. From verse 1, we have peace with God through faith because of the death of His Son, Jesus, who reconciles us, who brings us to God and we are saved. Notice the words that keep building on each other here in verse 9. Much more than that. Verse 10, but much more. 
and verse 11. And not only that, Jesus' death reconciles you to God. The new relationship begins. This status, your status for those in Christ is changed forever. Once alienated and an enemy of God, now a child of God. Righteous. Forgiven. Ephesians 2, 1-6 explains, we were by nature children of wrath. We were dead, but made alive by Christ. Colossians 1, 21-22, and you who were once alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before Him. Friends, you have been reconciled to God. You are secure in Christ. Almighty God is your Father. He is perfect in love, perfect in mercy and kindness. He is mighty to keep you saved. So why do you doubt your salvation? Why is your soul downcast? Verse 11, much more than that, we what? We also rejoice. Please come and find your rest and your security in Christ. Don't look to the comforts of this world. Don't even wallow in your self-pity, grumbling and complaining and anxious. I'm preaching to myself here. The knowledge that you are forever secure in Christ should produce the greatest joy in your life as a Christian. Christians should be the happiest people on the earth. You know, when we look at Christians, I look at myself, if there is joy and humility, that is real good proof of fruit of a genuine Christian. So this morning, are you at rest because you are eternally secure? Do you have joy in Christ? So I end for the Christian here today. I hope that when the world and the flesh press against you tomorrow morning or maybe even here in your seat this morning right now, I'm sure there are many who are going through many trials. I hope that through it all, you look to Jesus. And when your eyes are fixed upon Him, that you will rejoice in your salvation. We need to be reminded of this, don't we? We are weak, flesh, and easily distracted, easily turned away. I pray that, that you will, through it all, have great joy, knowing that whatever happens, you are eternally secure. You will reign with the Lord forever. May your heart be encouraged this morning. May your love for Jesus and your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ grow. But let us all this morning search our hearts. No matter if you said a prayer when you were young or if you've been going to church for many years, remember back to the Israelites and Moses when God used him to deliver them from Pharaoh and the plagues, the angel of death that came through the night, what were the people told to do? 
Did they write their good works around the doors? Did they say, well, we've, went, we've served God this many years. We've been going to church this many years. Well, I'm a good person. I've done this charitable thing. I've volunteered here and in the church. You know, compared to the person beside me today, well, yeah, or my neighbor, I'm pretty good. No. There would have been sure death and screaming throughout even the camp of the Israelites. What did they do? They took the blood. They spread it around the door, smeared with the crimson stain. The angel passed by. Not because of anything they did, but because of the blood. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And if you don't believe, trust where you may, but you will be damned. God, help thee to believe in Christ for His name's sake. If you are not a Christian today, if you're not in Christ, would you come to Him today while there is time? God in His mercy has given you this day, has given you the breath in your lungs. He has drawn you here today. You have heard His Word. There is no other way that you can be saved except through Jesus. All who call upon the Lord will be saved. Call upon Him today while you're in your seat right now. Make sure of your salvation. And then may God may grant you a new relationship with Him. May the peace of God come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank You for Your Word that keeps us on the straight path. Though we are weak and we tend to stray, we let the worries and the cares of this life consume us, distract us, get us down. God, I pray that You would encourage Your children today as they hear the Word of God that they would rejoice in their salvation, that they would have peace and trust and You who keeps them forever. Through Christ, they are holy, pure, blameless before the throne. One day they will stand before God and God will welcome them in. Thank You for this great hope that we have because of Your Son Jesus who has died on the cross and paid for our debt of sin. And God, for those who do not know You, who are not secure in Christ this morning, I pray that You will wipe their excuses away because those excuses will not stand in the last days. Oh God, that You would reach down and save them, that they would put their trust in You today. Help us, God. We need You. That Your Spirit would move amongst us and Your people today. Thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen.